Welcome to our podcast, Transparently Speaking. I am Diana, and I have a son who transitioned at a young age to become his true self. And I am Joy. I have also supported my daughter to transition at an early age. We are here to share our experience and our learning along this journey. We want to provide support and guidance parent to parent. And if you find yourself on a similar journey, we want you to know that you are not alone. So let's dive in, transparently speaking. Diana, the last episode about Clark's experience with testosterone, we sat on for a while. We actually recorded that one back in November of 2021. Mm -hmm. And I thought it might serve our viewers to understand a little bit more about that and for us to explore what was challenging for you. Yes. You were very patient with me. (laughs) It was such a vulnerable podcast and I really felt uncomfortable posting it. What was the discomfort? I think two things. I think one thing was there are not many, but there are a few people that listen that know who we are and they don't know that story. Like we did not share that story as mentioned in the podcast. So telling it would be sharing that with people that would then know. And that felt very personal, vulnerable. And it also felt like it was up to Clark Mm -hmm. because I think those loved ones can handle it. That's how, because they can handle having the secret of knowing the podcast. I think the bigger hesitation revolves around that it would be used against the community, that people that don't believe that youth should be allowed a medical transition, meaning puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones, which is estrogen or testosterone, that they would listen to the episode and they would say, see, see, they can't make a decision. They're too young to decide. And with so much going on right now in the country with people making laws about not allowing medical transition, I just thought it was dangerous to post it. I want to acknowledge that that fear that I'm hearing, I think is real, especially amidst this political climate and what we see happening elsewhere. Right. And so how do we land that it's okay now to post it? (laughs) First thing in what I said is the error in what I just said, like children are too young to decide. The children aren't deciding. We are. Yeah. At the end of the day, I mean, yes, youth are deciding I want testosterone. I want estrogen. This is the type of puberty I would like to go through. There is that decision, but they can't do that without us. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a little error in children are too young to decide that it's not all their decision. They have to be on board. We have to be on board. The healthcare provider has to be on board. Like there's a lot that goes through there. So that was part of it is like, why I'm afraid of something that's not true. Mm -hmm. I think the other part that was took some time is I asked Clark to take a listen. I told him about it. I felt like his story's his. So he did listen to it. That helped me. And I think it also helped me. I had Arthur listen to it too. And Arthur listened to it and said, this is good stuff because this is real. This is real life. That's what people want to hear. The other thing is that there is this story of that's been there for a while. Insistence, consistence, persistence. That's how you know someone is transgender. And that started quite a few years ago, but as it's evolved, we realized that's not always true. We've talked about this a little bit with gender fluid individuals. It's not that they don't know who they are. They know who they are even more and they're in tune with it day to day. So I felt like this is a narrative. Okay. This only can work if it works this way, which is that insistent, consistent, persistent, the journey must be linear. 
I don't know what journey in life is linear. So I thought it was important to lend a voice to a different narrative, a different journey, so that when other people land where we did, they won't feel so alone, which is why we started the podcast to begin with. Not that everyone will go through it and not that the end of the story will be our end of the story, but just to give voice to it, to normalize it. That to me was the driving force. That's beautiful. I guess what I'm hearing is this concept of normalizing that what is normal can be lots of different things. Exactly. And I think it challenges the idea because if people wanted to say, well, Clark doesn't know. And I'm like, he knew who he was every moment. He knew to stop testosterone when he felt like, no, I need a moment. And he took his moment. It's like anything. You can look at it a number of ways. And the way I look at it is he knew exactly who he was. He did what he needed to do. And when he decided to start testosterone again, he was all in. There was no hesitation. There was no tears. There was a quiet confidence to the point where he's not even uncomfortable talking about it anymore among us. And I'm not saying he's going to go to a rally and talk about it. With Arthur and I, he's comfortable talking about it. And it shows like he knew what he needed, like forget your protocols, forget, and I'm not disregarding them, but this is why it's so important to be on the individual basis. And he's going into his puberty with a newfound confidence. What comes up for me as you're saying that is that the confidence was gained by doing some version of like experimenting or how would I know unless I try something different to first confirm this is what I want. Do you think that's actually what it was? Oh, it's so hard for me to know what it was because I don't even know what was going on in his mind. And, you know, he's still not able to verbalize that, but he is able to verbalize that was hard. He doesn't like to talk about it. And I know what I want right now. That's what feels good. And having said that, like, I'm still sitting here in fear (laughs) that even these words will be twisted on me, that that episode will be twisted of like, well, she says that's what he wanted, but I bet you she pressured him and this is all her because she's this advocate and blah, blah. I mean, I don't know what stories people will bring up. Can I offer something? Yes, please. As I just heard you expressing this fear of how it might be perceived by others. Oh, she was pressuring him. I want to share what just came up for me the other day. Samantha just had her second blocker placed. So she had the first one removed and just had the second blocker placed. And prior to that, I was checking in with her. We generally have been living this life of Samantha being who she is. And we don't talk about the fact that she's transgender. Like it's not even, you know, a discussion anymore. Like that shift and that discussion about being transgender was like a point in time that lasted a year to two years. You know, like we all had to go through this learning and then it was just our way of being where it wasn't even a topic of conversation. And the reason I bring this up is I all of a sudden had this moment of concern where does she think she needs to do this because this is just the path we've been on? Does she realize at any point she can make a different choice? If she's feeling something different about her identity, does she know she's supported in living out who she is? And so I had this conversation. Since we supported you to transition, have you ever thought about maybe you don't identify as a girl? Mm -hmm. You know, have you ever questioned it? And she said to me, "Uh, I think maybe once I had sort of thought about, would I be better as a boy? Mm -hmm. And I said, so like, how long did that last? She was like, "Ah, like a minute. (laughs) (laughs) But I wonder what that means. Would I be better as a boy? Not am I a boy? Would I be better? Yeah. Yeah. That is really curious. I tried to ask and she 
that would just happen to be, I think, the language that came out of her at the time. Mm -hmm. So she made some version of assessment Mm -hmm. and determined, no, whether it's Mm -hmm. I'm better this way or I just am this way. Right. But she did make some comment. She said something about, well, we've gone so far in this. We've already made these commitments. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, because that's what I was concerned about it. I said, well, we can always make a different decision. Right. You need to live your truth. And we love you no matter what, no matter who you are, we love you. And so I want you to know that. And I shared with her because I'm learning now about some kids who do come to learn their identity differently after they've gone through a transition. And then we started to explore the concept of gender fluidity and all that sort of stuff in conversation. I wanted to share that because I also had this moment of fear, like, have I made decisions for her and and somehow encouraged her or led her to believe that the door is closed, that that decision's made, she doesn't get a choice anymore in terms of how she lives her identity. What's the answer to that question? Based upon her response and the conversation we had, she was sort of nonplussed by the whole thing. It led me to believe that I'm creating a space that feels safe for her to live out her identity. And I'm hopeful if she felt differently, if she identified differently, she would have the courage to explore and live that again. I remember when Clark was young, we were instructed to ask him every day, do you identify as a boy or a girl today? And nine years ago, we did not have non-binary in in that language, in our knowledge, not that it didn't exist. And I just remember after like three days, he was like, stop asking me. (laughs) I'd say, okay, I'll stop asking you. But I want you to know that there are people who identify as a boy one day and may identify as a girl a different day, excuse my binary language. That's where I was at at the time. And just gave that, like open that door that whoever you are, we love you. So just know you can tell us whoever you are. And I've tried to bring that in throughout the years. Once in a while, you know, it feels sensitive. Yeah. I'm like, what are you trying to tell me? You know, I'm like, nothing. I just want <laughs> you to know you can be you. I do it with Dinah now. Uh, and the difference is now I have more knowledge. So I'm like, you know, are you a boy, girl, non-binary? And he's like, ah, stop asking me. Like I've gone through the same thing. And it's like, well, that's fine. But just know like you can be you. And I just want to know what you want to call it. And you can be you. You know, I don't feel like I've forced them and I I feel pretty good about having brought it up from time to time. I think that's helpful to hear. And I think I just had realized I didn't really bring it up that because it's been such a non thing for us, these recent conversations you and I have had and the recent political scenarios just led me to wonder, how am I setting the stage for my daughter? Am I clear that we love and support her independent of that identity? And that if she comes to some new awareness that we want to support her with whatever that means. Right. Exactly. And what was interesting about your story too, that I really related to that I also helped me notice has changed is that at the beginning of that testosterone journey, that T journey for Clark, he did not want to say he was transgender. He wanted nothing to do with it. And that's something that a, a social worker made me aware of that talks with transgender youth is that when they have to go on cross-sex hormones for these kids that are like, I'm just a boy, I'm just a girl. It's for the kids on the binary that this happens. I'm just a boy. I'm just a girl. It's like, they have to face the fact that they are transgender when they have to take medication every day. So it's interesting that those two went together. And now where he is very comfortable taking his medication, I just had a conversation with him yesterday about it. I said, how do you feel about being transgender? He's like, I'm good. Did I notice you used to really get angry? He's like, I didn't get angry. (laughs) 
<laughs> like sounds angry right there. But, um, but he's like, I, I, you know, I was uncomfortable and I was like, okay. I said, but you don't seem it now. He's like, I'm not, I'm not uncomfortable. I said, do you want to be out? Do you want to share? He's like, no, but I'm comfortable with who I am. I just don't feel the need to share. Oh, beautiful. What I'm hearing there is he does identify as transgender mm-hmm. very clearly, although he will not consciously use that language to articulate his identity to others. Correct. Back to that's a private thing for him. Yes, that's exactly right. That's really interesting. This concept of once it becomes a daily reminder of what their identity requires from them in terms of behaviors or medication, that that might be a shift for my daughter, for Samantha, fingers are crossed that that's happening for us this fall. So we'll definitely keep our listeners in tune to that as things unfold. I think, you know, like one thing I learned through this process is that, you know, at the beginning, I was like, is he going to detransition? Meaning is he going to identify as what he was assigned at birth? And I'd heard various statistics thrown at me throughout the years. And a lot of them really don't come from good research, which we can talk about another time. But as I kind of wanted to know more about it, to know like, A, it was really hard to find from the experts that see the most number of youth that anyone had much of any story whatsoever. They're a couple, not much. B, I learned that there's a difference between detransitioning and transition regret. Like in my mind, those were synonymous, but they're not. Transition regret is one reason for detransitioning. So transition regret means I regret that I ever transitioned. And that's one thing Clark said through the whole thing. Even when he said, I'm questioning it, he didn't regret where he's been. But I also learned in looking at the 2015 U.S. Transgender Survey that asked a large number of people who have at some point in their life or currently identify as transgender, that the detransition rate was 13.1%. And that out of that 13.1%, 82.5% of those individuals that had quote detransition did not have transition regret. Like they did it because pressure of parents or societal stigma or trouble finding a job. So this means they didn't change how they identified like within themselves, inside themselves, it more had to do with outside pressures. And so I just, I bring it up because my fear was transition regret. My fear was not whether or not he was going to detransition or not. My fear was, does he regret it? Did I do something wrong? He regret transitioning in the first place. That's what the concept of, of transition regret is. Exactly. But he was very clear that he never regretted it. He just needed time to look at everything. Yeah. And to be clear for our listeners, that data you were sharing of the 13% that detransitioned, the vast majority of them did not experience transition regret. Is that what you're saying? Right. Out of the 13%, only 2.4% reported they doubted their identity. So that sounds like transition regret. Okay. But there were 10% that it was an issue of fluctuation in their gender identity. So that wasn't regret. That was fluidity. Okay. Interesting. That's helpful. But I think the point is like some people detransition because of outside pressures, not because they see themselves differently. Mm -hmm. So I hope everyone listening (laughs) realizes that this is not a detransition journey, but it is a journey. It is an exploration and it is beautiful. In my opinion, it was scary as you know, life's not always going to be like happy and rainbows and unicorns. It's 
50, 50, right? Some things are just super happy and joyous. And sometimes I feel like they're even more joyous because of the fear that we go through. We have that to compare it to, and it feels so much greater, but that's there too. Yeah, I agree. I feel like we can't experience our highest highs, our joyful joys until we understand, you know, sometimes the depth of sorrow and difficulty. So right now, as I had that conversation with Clark yesterday, where we could talk about him being transgender and I, I got to ask him questions like, what's good about it? It was fun. It was really amazing to be able to talk about that before. It's like, don't say the T word and I'm not talking testosterone, you know, like don't say transgender around Clark. <laughs> fun to be here now. Oh, that's awesome. Well, now I want to hear some of the stories. So what's good about it? What did he share? He said the thing that was good about it is he can be himself. The being transgender means he gets to be himself. Mm-hmm. And I said, totally agree. I said, can I offer you a couple other and you can tell me whether you think they're true or not? He's like, yeah. I said, I think that you are less judgmental of people for who they are. He's like, that's true. And I said, I think that you're more accepting of people for who they are. He's like, that's very true. And I said, and I think you're very perceptive, which took a definition dictionary lesson there, but oh, (laughs) he had the definition. He was like, yeah, that's true too. Yeah. And that concept of perception, I feel like we've heard from you that it came from this need to sort of observe the scene around you and determine what might be needed to feel safe and to feel okay. That's exactly right. And that's part of what I explained to him, which I will say made him uncomfortable a little bit. I think the issue of safety is one that makes him very uncomfortable. Yeah, it continues today. Diana, I want to recognize and express my gratitude for your willingness to be vulnerable and to share your story and a portion of Clark's story and his experience here today. Thank you. That's a wrap on this episode of Transparently Speaking. Thanks for joining us today. Join us again on the 1st and 15th of every month for our next podcast. Thank you to Filter for our awesome music. That's P-H-I-L-T-Y-R. Check them out at Apple Music, YouTube Music, Spotify, or anywhere you download music. As a reminder, we welcome your feedback and questions. Email us anytime at transparentlyspeakingpodcast at gmail.com. If you're taking something away from our podcast, we'd appreciate if you'd take a moment to provide us a review. The more listeners and reviews, the more people we can reach and support. Thanks in advance. Cheers from Joy and Diana.